There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy. From the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series, ladies and gentlemen. The greatest case study on man where we talk about the conscious journey from unconscious or from unwoke to woke. And I'm here with my brother, Joel. How are you, man? I'm fucking pumped, man. I'm, I'm keen to do this. Yeah, man. It's, it's, I'm really glad to have you here. And I don't know, we've met uh, only just once at the men's group in Perth uh, many moons ago. Um, but it's funny, once you meet a conscious brother, you tend to sort of have a, a connection with them, um, regardless, mm. right? Mm, yeah, I've noticed I have, it's like this random big net of, of I don't know, soul brothers sounds a bit cheesy, but there's guys that <laughs> once it's clicked, that connection's there, and I think it always is there in, in some way, shape, or form. Totally, bro, totally, I feel that. And we'll start off, first question, obviously, where'd you grow up, where do you live now? So I grew up in Manjimup in Western Australia. So it's about three and a half hours down south of Perth, small country wow. town, like population of 5,000. Um, how much detail do you want? That's it. That's Perth. it. And I'm in Perth, Perth WA right now. Yeah. So you've been a West Australian boy? Yes. Born and bred. Wow. Manjimup. So you're a country boy. What's it like growing mm. down south, growing up down south? <laughs> growing down mm. south. Um, I don't know. Have you grown up in a small town? Have you lived in a small mm. town? Yeah. Such a small town vibe. Um, everyone knows everyone's business. It's very, um, yeah, very close-minded and, and very, people are very opinionated as well. That, that's my experience anyway. I'm sure there's other pockets, but the pocket that I was exposed to was that. Um, <laughs> the the culture of the town was... Shit. Yeah, I was in a shit pocket. And I don't say that with judgment. Like, they're beautiful people, but I, you'd say the average level of consciousness there is a lot uh, lower, and that's just how people knew to operate. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was exposed to growing up. Yeah. yeah, would you say that, like, naturally, from your experiences, people tend to conjugate, conjugate with like-minded people like that? Like, was it just a space of collective? Yes and no. Like, some, of... some people are just genuine farm folk that, that yeah. that's just all they know, and because of that, they haven't been exposed to anything else, and that doesn't mean it's any less than... That's, like, their life. It doesn't mean it's any less than, but I didn't really connect to that being it if that makes sense and then yes there are other people who move from the city down south to escape and whatnot and they can be a few of the odd bods so yeah. you kind of got just genuine country folk who love that and that's all they know they may have never like my mom grew up in a town 15 minutes away and she's lived there her entire life and moved to a town 15 minutes and that's that's her bubble you know and that's yeah. all they know so it's not a judgment but um that's their culture for some people that's their reality yeah i appreciate that the, the fact that you, you point out non-judgment and i think it we can easily like run away from uh, people that aren't sort of feeling our vibe and, and there's a, mm -hmm. a spiritual teacher that I follow Matt Khan he sort of talks about this a lot is like mm. all we want to do is just fucking um, judge it's, it's like an, it's like a mm. spiritual ego you know mm. in that sense or just mm -hmm. a conscious ego like a conscious ego and so I really respect the fact that you make note of that how old are you now? yeah I, I did previously have resentment for it but now that I've come to terms with those things blaming it doesn't help me like uh. it was just in the past, that's all I knew, but now I look back, I'm like, there's, there's no one to blame. We're just all people doing our thing. I'm 29 now. Okay. Are you 30 this year? Uh, next year. Next year. Cool. It's all downhill from there. Well, you know, you know what they say. Uh, who said this? 
Gary V interviewed someone and a few people, and he was like, 30s are your best time. Because I'm 30 next week and um, 10 days, I think. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. And so they go, 30s are your best because you've, you've sort of figured it out. Like the 20s, you're figuring it out. You know, you, what do you want to do? Who you are? Um, you know, going through relationships, sussing out who your life partner is. And then 30, you're like, yeah, got, I mean, majority of people got my shit sorted, going in a direction, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. the most exciting mm-hmm. time. And now he talks about 40s as like, he says like 40s, it's like I don't feel old. Like when I was 20, mm-hmm. thinking, looking at 40, it's like I think I would feel it, but he goes, I just feel normal. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. You know, maybe, yeah, we're, it, maybe it, we're, we're set for the best time of our lives. I honestly believe that, and, and I come from, I'm a personal trainer, and a lot of my clients, like, it's old age. I'm like, well, no, old age just means you've had more time to neglect yourself. If you'd spent that, it's that same amount of time <laughs> nurturing yourself and empowering yourself and growing, old age would be a good thing. It's just yeah. the average person eats a Western diet, doesn't exercise, stresses, doesn't have self-love. Therefore, they've been exposed to that for a longer period of time. Therefore, they are feeling like crap. So then they're using that generalization to actually not take ownership for the behaviors that led to them feeling like yeah. that, if that makes sense. So yeah. if you're kicking ass for 20 years, of course you're going to feel incredible. That's, yeah. that's what I believe. And since I've become more conscious as I get older, I feel better. I feel better if anything. So I agree with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's almost that it's also that stress factor too, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. you've got so much internal stress from the food you eat, maybe lack of exercise, mm. but also like mm-hmm. the mental game. What do you think? Yeah, not doing thoughts? what you love every day, having to go to a job that you hate every day, having to wear yeah. your social mask every minute of every day, not having an avenue to express your emotions, financial stress, relational stress. The average person is under a huge weight and they don't have the tools to deal with that. So of course yeah. they're going to be in pain. Of course they're going to be aged. Like, like it, it makes perfect sense when, when you really look at the, yeah. net, the net person in society, the average person, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like, of course you're going to look like shit. Like, that's what sort of comes to my head. <laughs> yeah, which is sad because like, you'd think we've, we're, we're, we're the most technological we've ever been, and yet, like, the average person is likely the unhealthy. Like, the obesity rates, anxiety rates, depression rates are all higher than they've ever been, mm. and it's kind of, it's a little bit ignorant and we don't understand that people are suffering you know, yeah. just because of the way that we're doing things. Yeah, well, that's it. It's like hopefully the, even, you know, sharing this message is, is that tool mm-hmm. of, to open up a little bit more and to go, mm-hmm. we, weren't, we weren't always perfect and we're still not. Mm-hmm. But it's like we were, we're looking at a, a new, uh, through a new lens. And so mm-hmm. if we can change lenses, anyone can change lens, right? Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully. I don't know. There might be some, some tough cookies to, to crumble. I was going to say tough nuts to crack, but then a the cookie one came out. Um, but I, I like to believe that love can can penetrate through everything. Have mm. have I necessarily reached an, a state of unconditional love to penetrate through people who were extremely triggered in pain? I don't. I haven't yet, but I'm sure there's people who can do that because, yeah. Um, yeah, when someone is in a lot of pain and unconscious, their mind is going to guard them and be close-minded, and they're not going to see many options. So I always yeah. I haven't figured that out yet, but I, I'd like to believe that there is a possibility to to give those people a chance to change their lens. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that, man. Well, next mm-hmm. question. I think you've already mentioned mm-hmm. it. What do you do for a living, brother? So at the moment, I'm a personal trainer at an incredible gym called Strength and Motion Academy. So I'll talk quickly about that. Two of my best mates, they've been to all the gyms in the area, and they're like, this is trash. Um, let's open up a gym that has no mirrors, no ego. Um, it's all about conscious movement, using your bodies properly, and about community. So that's kind of the vibe of the gym, and I was employed as the head coach there. So I helped create the movement culture, help people actually look after their bodies and um, you know, learn training properly, not just from a stance of I need to lose weight quickly. Like how do I make my body more functional, less pain? How do we, we actually have a seminar room in the gym as well. So we, uh, you know, talk about mindset, hormones, mental health, whatever it is, behaviors, goals. So it's more of a, it's called strength motion Academy because we believe education is so important and we take a holistic approach there. So, um, coach there by day. And then I have a business called Evolve Brotherhood and my program is called step into manhood. And that is, my version of a modern initiation for men. So um, I studied, you know, coming of age ceremonies and boy consciousness and man consciousness. And I realized that I didn't have an initiation into manhood. And that's why I had so many of the problems I I did as an adult man that Mm. I'm still dealing with today. And I realized there's no ritualized uh, process that's taken the modern context into account to take men from point A, where we kind of collectively share because of societal conditioning to point B, which is, from my own research, my perspective of what more healthy masculinity would be for this, this modern day. So it's a process of education, experiential stuff. We do breath work. We have a lot of meetups and movement roughhousing, get them actually physically involved, a lot of emotional work um, with accountability and action as well. So I'm trying to tackle 
masculinity from every angle so that they've at least been exposed to as much stuff as they can mm-hmm. and then they can you know, go forth into the world from that so powerful brother that's very very needed in this in this world so mm-hmm. thank you for getting mm-hmm. that getting that sorted man yeah getting okay. there it's actually gaining momentum man like i didn't realize how much men needed it, but as soon as i get out of my own way like at first i would I was uncertain and I would play small in my conversations about it. But the moment that I started to talk about how much I truly loved it, I could see that light something up in the people that I was talking to. And then they were just yeah. like, I'm in, I'm in. And I'm like, yeah. damn. Like, That's so the more wicked. I trust myself, yeah. And the more I see the results and that helps me trust myself more, the more yeah. that is feeding this movement. So it's been beautiful. Do you find that it's like, it's, as soon as you become more open, more energetic, more vulnerable, um, mm-hmm. it's like it opens up a safe space and people can just match that? Hundred percent, and and in the first round of this, I was not the the most vulnerable guy, but I had to lead the experience. So um, I'd done some men's work, but I'm like, man, I have to lead. I got 15 guys through in my first 10 week round. I'm like, I have to go there first. So I had to express my deepest shames, my weaknesses, my insecurities, which was really challenging for me where I was at the time. But only by me leading into that allowed them to do that. But that's also been like the biggest catalyst for my own growth. So okay. having the responsibility of being a leader in this space is heavy but it's the most beautiful heavy thing i can carry because it, it leads me to meeting myself at deeper depths and i have the responsibility to continue to do that because if i don't i can't do the work that i do okay. so moment by moment i'm always having to go like yeah. facing my triggers and my thoughts and practice well that's how i like to do this work anyway like i need to be the i need to be as conscious as i can with all my things so i'm not projecting that onto the guys who are entrusting me to to grow you know man i feel you on that that's very beautiful mm. work you're doing brother so mm. what's one thing you're really good at man I like articulating things. So I like to take something that I may have you know, taken from five different books or like hours of mindfulness and try to put it into words in a way that people can consume it. So I, I see myself as a funnel, take a lot of stuff in, distill it, and then attempt to meet someone where they're at in their space into words such that they can have an aha moment or they can, it can kind of slip through their armor and hit their heart and, in a way that can help open them up. So I'm a big fan of words and the energy behind my words as well. Wow. So you make complex complex things th- things seem simple is yeah right? it's a good teacher yeah. and, and, that's a good, and that's beautiful a good as well teacher. yeah 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 like to, to you relatable. know metaphor examples yeah that yeah. kind of stuff it's like i, I always hated in school I, I have an engineering degree that that i uh, just did it because i didn't know what i wanted to do with my life and mm. there was some lecturers who were just like well, well, well i'm like oh my god like why would anyone want to listen to them i would rather I'd rather see someone who's like, this is it, you know, this is, yeah. it's see it exuding from them. Like I, I've met so many people, it doesn't even matter what they're talking about. If they're passionate, I'm glued. So I'm like, yeah. why don't I just present, like still use some tactics because I've learned sales and stuff. So how, and, and a bit of NLP, so how to frame it in a, in a really beautiful way that is more likely to land, but then also infuse that with how much I love and care and, and the, kind of meet it so I can try and get through this rigid awesome. defense system that people have up. Yeah. That's sweet, man. That's really cool. What's your biggest fear right now? Biggest fear. An interesting one. I've been moving through a lot of heavy stuff, so. Mm. So this, I don't often like even things that I'm scared of. I go into them, so there's nothing that I'm innately moving away from. What's I would say one of, yeah, okay. one of my unconscious ones is still, and this is a big wound that I've been facing, is still. Um, so my family is Christian, like super close-minded, rigid values. And look, I'm into plant medicine, psychedelic spirituality. It's literally, my mom thinks it's the devil. And I really, I knew, I know it would cut her to her core, her seeing me openly express this stuff. So there's a big unconscious part of me that doesn't fully express myself the way I'd love to on social media for fear of seeing my mother shatter. So there's that uh, limiting my own expression for fear of my family, you know, seeing that and responding in some negative way, which they have a lot in the past already. And I haven't even seen, seen the, the end of it. So that's, it's more of an external thing, yeah. like worrying what they care about so much because I love them, but it, it hasn't served me. <clears throat> I feel you, man. Fear of judgment's mm. a, a challenging mm. one. I've, I've definitely been challenged by it. It's it's because it's it's that fear of just being alone and outcasted by the people mm. that love you most, you know. Mm. Yeah, for, for me, yeah, for me, because I, I have I have a beautiful tribe of people who actually love me as I am, and I never like I love my parents so much, but I never felt close to them in the sense of like a, like an energetic, empathetic connection. 
Um, but it's more of this, I can be over empathetic. So it's more yeah. of a fear of like seeing my mom in pain, you know, cause I've seen her through so much pain. It's already hurt me so much. I'm like, even though it's not my responsibility, I still have that miswiring there that it would be my fault if I was yeah, to do that sure. to her. So sure. yeah, it's still a big one. Like even talking about, it, there's definitely a charge there. So yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that, man. Yeah. It's all good. I had what's to think your, about that for a sec. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's your favorite quote? Oof. Uh, I reckon you, you can't put few. God into words. You can't, can't put God into, God words. into words. Wow. So I love that because you? I had, uh, can I talk about psychedelics on here? Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, cool. Um, so the first time I did acid, I've only done it a couple of times, but I had this experience where I felt the completeness of what I was as a soul, like infinite, endless. And I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And then I just started laughing and laughing and laughing because I'm like, how do I express this through this? I'm like, there's this infinite deep intelligence that transcends words. And then all I have is these hands and, and my mouth to present that. So uh, I like that quote because it, it shows us that like what we're in our felt experience, what we're actually aware of the moment we put it into a word, we've reduced it, but it also keeps me on my toes. Cause I'm like, how close can I get to putting God into words? If that makes mm-hmm. sense, how close can I embody that energy and try to be as articulate and as present as possible to try to take this infinite thing to give someone else an opportunity to taste that because I think a big problem lies is when someone has, you know, tasted a higher power or tapped into love, whatever you want to call it. And then there's someone who hasn't how, like the question I have, like, how do I get this into their skull? How do I get them to taste a little bit of it? Cause once that seed's been planted, that's all it takes. It will blossom itself. It's a self perpetuating thing. Like once you felt love, it's like, okay, well, does this, does this have love in it? Does this have love in it? So that's a big one for me. And is, that, uh, and is then, that your mission? Is that your mission now is to, is to figure out how to inject that into someone else? I would say in a way it is, yes. Um, I like to, my brain isn't very linear. It's very, well, it, it can be if I want it to be based on if I'm living my, my service. But yeah. I like to look at all modalities and branch out and try to take everything and see what works and then deliver that into things. So that's what I, mm. what I do with my brotherhood, right? But I'm like, there's so many modalities around the world. Like the guys at SMA and myself have a vision of building a health center that has every kind of modality under one roof. So there's a gym, there's a healthy cafe, but there's also breath work. There's also yoga, but there's, there's everything. Cause I had the thought like, let's not battle the current medical system. Let's just do something better. And what way to do it better is to look at what's currently working and distill it into a, so into true. a systemized thing. So um, yeah, I like to, I guess, yeah, take the things that work and, and give people an opportunity because what has made my life most beautiful is having access to this myself. And I believe we all at least deserve an opportunity to do that. And I don't like the word obligation because it has, you know, like, oh, I'm obliged to do this. So, yeah, but I, I, like, it's like a beautiful obligation that once we are more conscious, we have the opportunity to spread that with other people. And and, and that for me feels really good. That's awesome, brother. Really cool. Mm. What's a conscious band to you? So, I mean, put very simply, conscious just means aware. So, I mean, how do you, there's no scale of it, but as long as you're uh, being as conscious as you can or attempting to become more conscious over time, that's the process. So as long as you're committed to that process, whatever comes up in that process varies. Um, again, you can go into uh, understanding how your mind works and the narratives and the stories, understanding your emotions. Are they from present tense? Are they from old trauma? And are you able to give space to those and be aware of those without reaction? Um, yeah, it's, it's a rabbit hole, becoming more aware of your shadow. So what we're unconscious of, what we've repressed, denied, what we've been kind of socially trained out of us, all of that stuff, we deny and we become less whole, right? We only allow ourselves to be this when every human is this. So mm. part of becoming more conscious too is noticing when we overreact, noticing when we judge others, noticing where we disown and deny or noticing what parts of us we hide away from the world. And then can I, can I bring love and attention there to integrate that into my being? Yeah. And, and continuing down that, that process. Is that enough for you? That's, yeah. That's great, brother. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. I mean, it's, it's so interesting, but the essence of what you said at the start, like every mm. other guy, basically, it does. It just comes back to awareness. It's like that's what it means. Yeah. <laughs> and like, if you think about this, I was speaking with a, a life coach years ago that I was working with, mm. and he challenged me and sort of goes, well, because I, I was that... Um, I was that crazy vegan when I first went plant-based and, yeah. <laughs> and, and sort of Kill the farmers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you got money issues. It's cause you're not vegan. Um, everything, <laughs> everything is because you're not vegan. So good. So and, good. And so he was like, well, is it like, what do you call a conscious being? Like, is a plant not conscious? Like what is conscious? And I'm just like yeah. sitting there and I'm like, and I literally was looking at my house plant. 
and I didn't have an answer for him. And I said, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. a good point. Mm-hmm. And so I went, I went and um, had a think about it that, that next week before our next call. And like, mm. it's like, yeah, I looked up the definition of consciousness. Mm. Like, fuck. It is. A plant is conscious because it's aware of its surroundings because, mm-hmm. if, you know, where the light is, it will go to. Where there's no light, mm-hmm. it, will sh- it will go away from. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, it knows what's around. Therefore, mm-hmm. it is conscious. So mm. there's an interesting aspect to all things. Uh, mm-hmm. I think innately most living things are conscious. I would say all living things are conscious. Yeah, you can drop into the spiritual rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, and you can be like, every, like, you know, the simplest way to say this is like, okay, in the Big Bang, everything was infinitely compressed to a point. And when everything is, is in oneness, there's no separations, so there can be no experience. All there is is oneness. So it has to split up into infinite amount of pieces, and all those pieces become separate pieces so they can yeah. experience themselves. So in essence, everything's made from the same stuff, which is uh, there's... There's experience. Uh, if you talk about masculine and feminine energy, experience. What we're seeing is feminine, and the space around it is, is masculine energy. So, yeah. like, if you're if you're getting down the spiritual rabbit hole, everything is made from the same stuff. It's just yeah. humans like to separate and to put things into boxes. Well, the, an aspect of the human condition of the mind is to try to make more sense of things so that we feel safer. But ultimately, when you step out of the mind, there is no separation because who are you without your external world? Like our entire experience is us interacting with the external world. So is, are you even separate to your world? Or mm. would you have an experience if the, the world's not there? So how do, you, how do you deem anything as life or not life? It's a, it's a thing, but because Western man likes to put things into boxes, which is fine. That's just where they're at. That's, that's their journey. But that, that really conflicts with Eastern religion when saying everything's the same thing. And yeah. when, when, I don't know if you have, but when you do access these deep states of presence, you can feel a treat. You can feel like the energy of things and, and it is more apparent. So um, that's, it's a rabbit hole. So some of these rabbit holes don't really serve a purpose. They're fun to talk about, but like, does it serve me in an objective way to move, move forward? Like when I think yeah. about my, like, yeah, in my, me my morning routine. Yeah. Is it effective? That's the thing. One of my paradigms is, is it effective? does it help me serve is it constructive if not I'm, it's fun to think about it but it, like at the same time you can get caught up in yeah over mentally masturbating about spirituality and not actually giving you a gift and i find a lot of people can fall into that you know that, that spiritual ego as you said for sure again if that's their path that's their path but for me uh, i would rather take it into something more practical so i can yeah. give it to the world yeah that's i mean that's where we create most change right it's something that i've realized a lot lately actually is is being here when i first moved to bali i'm like i'm going over there october last year i'm like i'm going over there to be with my people you know like minded people yeah and yeah. i moved and i moved to a bud and and a bud's a very spiritual place if you've mm-hmm. ever been yeah i love a bud lots of people transiting through there on the spiritual path and um and i get there and i spent we spent oh, fuck October to March there, so six months-ish. Um, and then we got to a point where we were like, fucking, I can't do this. The energy is so dense, like to the point where wow. we would go to Changu for a day and we'd be happy. And well, for wow. me, because my big, wow. my big emotion is anger. And so I'd come mm-hmm. back to a boot and within 20, 12 hours, I'm just like, I'm erupting. Like, wow. it's, it's phenomenal, dude. It's phenomenal mm-hmm. like, how regular I would be angry there. Mm-hmm. And so then we end up, you know, finding out that there's a really dense energy over Ubud. And it's like in, wow. in, in Bali, they, they know, often refer to this in Ubud especially. Wow. Um, and then I just was like looking around at the people and just finally took a different perspective towards the end. I was just like, wow, we're, we're all, we've all got problems. I started seeing egos come out and the things that I never thought mm-hmm. spiritual people had, you know, I just thought mm-hmm. spiritual people were all love, but I started seeing like hatred come out and like mm-hmm. anger come out and like, um, jealousy and mm-hmm. all those things that I was, I thought I was running away from in Perth, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the 3D world has. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you just realize that, you know, the work that we need to do isn't when we're in the freaking jungles over here in Bali. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's in the places that the cities, in the country mm-hmm. towns, this work is needed most there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so if we're consciously, uh, running or unconsciously running away from things, we could be avoiding the very thing that could be setting us on our own path. Yeah, do you mind if I speak into that? Because you've got a lot of good yeah. stuff there. Um, so one thing that I forget who said this analogy, but it's like let's say there's a person in the party scene. They do heaps of MDMA. They dance. 
that's where they're at. If they then decide to go and do that at, at like, uh, you know, ecstatic dance things and they're doing cacao ceremonies, but they're, they haven't actually shifted their patterns or their level of consciousness, they're the same person with a different skin. Mm. And that's spiritual bypassing. They think they've actually done the work. They haven't actually faced any of the triggers which this environment was trying to show them, which was their opportunities for growth. They put themselves into a more triggerless environment. So now they're not even getting the feedback they need to work through the patterns. And uh, then they, they think they've made it because it looks good on the outside, which is a trap that actually keeps them stuck at that level of consciousness. So it's important that shifting your environment can be good, but you can't run away from yourself. So you're taking your same self to another environment. You're going to have the same projections, the same pack, the same triggers. The, the point is like, wherever you go, that doesn't mean we're not going to have a desire to go somewhere, but you can't run from from something it's like if i run from a relationship with one girl and i haven't done all the shadow work in that relationship i will likely project the same wounds and have the same traumas in that relationship changing the relationship won't do it i have to go into the pain and into the triggers because that's where the real work is and the term spiritual bypassing is when we believe we can just affirm ourselves to be better and believe that we're better but we actually haven't cleared up our messes mm. and that a lot of people get caught on that trap they're like oh no i've transcended that well, no, you haven't. You just denied it and pushed it into your shadow, pretend it doesn't exist, but that's when it actually gains more power because you're less conscious of it. Yeah. That's a lot of trap. That, that's why the spiritual ego is a thing. Every ego is a thing. It's just those, some of those communities, it's, it's like the same, no different. It. Yeah, they're all collectively bypassing together. Some of them, not everyone. Like this, this is the same. Some people will be ultra conscious, but some people, they're just like, like, like you, there might be someone who goes from an angry vegan to an angry writer, but they're just an angry person using a different uh, vehicle. Yeah. And what they need to do is really check it with why they're angry, not change yeah. the vehicle, if that makes sense. Totally, man. I really love um, – thank you for sharing that. That's a good way to put it. The yeah. Awaken with JP. Have you, have you heard – he's in the comedian. JP Sears? Yeah, I've yeah. seen a little bit of his stuff, yeah. He just he, mocks the crap out of everything, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he takes a piss – he's a spiritual person, and he just yeah, takes the it. piss out of spirituality in that I sense. I love it, yeah. And it's just yeah. so funny because mm-hmm. it's like – we're all, it's just like, we're just using different words. We're using different mm-hmm. words, you know, mm-hmm. but we've still got the same underlying attitude towards what's happening with that other person. Mm-hmm. But yeah, get into the shadow and deal with it instead of running from it is essentially what we're mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. And one more thing on spirituality, because I believe we're all spirits, right? So yeah. how can one person be more spiritual than another? Like the, the, the true spiritual path is listening to yourself. Like yeah. you might not, if you listen to your desires, you might want, not want to do yoga or meditate. Your path might be to go there. It doesn't mean they're any less spiritual. Some people can actually intentionally do spiritual things thinking that that's making them more spiritual, but they're actually taking themselves away from their own path. Mm. That's another trap. And like, even with success, I'm doing the right things. I'm doing this Instagram strategy, but is that what your heart wants? Mm-hmm. Because in fact, you're actually distracting yourselves away from your deepest intention through this uh, really beautiful disguise that life has offered you that it's worth for other people. But how do you know that's for you? That's the that's the thing that people can fall into man totally and i'm just looking at this quote now that i've um so i'm in uh matt khan's angel academy um what does he say he says a really good quote where it was like in his ego thing i think oh spirituality is cultivated in private but mastered in public and that's the real deal man like yeah I think we're getting we're going down a wormhole here but we should probably move on but that's yeah you great you, you take me anywhere you want me big boy <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's, it's just it's just so interesting man it's like i totally mm. resonated with that because it's yeah what you do behind closed doors but then mm. you're, you're not avoiding the real world by going mm. out there and mastering you know, your emotional mm-hmm. reactions, seeing... That's the real place to do it. Identify it. Yeah. That's your actual spiritual practice is I go into an environment, I'm as conscious and as present as I can. Mm-hmm. Was there a disproportionate reaction? Was there a judgment or a reoccurring story that comes up? Okay, I need to investigate that further and give that more consciousness, not run from it. The moment we run from it, we're actually... The evidence is there. Life is screaming it at us. And we're like, oh, that's too much. Let me go over here where it doesn't exist. Let me put headphones on. Let me have like some food, porn, whatever it is, we're actually, all the evidence is there and we, we continue to move away from it. So the, 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 the t- true game without bypassing is to move into it. And it doesn't feel good. People are so uh, addicted to feeling good that they think 
a spiritual or a conscious process will feel good, but it doesn't at first because there's so many repressed emotions and things. So it's a lot easier and safer, which is natural because humans avoid pain for an animal, right? It's a lot safer to move away from that, but we need to understand that you're actually moving away from yourself and yeah. from a deep connection to yourself. You, for once, you're just feeling. You know. That's okay. If you want to feel another person and connect, you need to go through that. Anyway, ground the ship. Take, take me to the next question, good sir. I appreciate the, um, the <laughs> conversations, man. What's one thing that challenges you right now? I have had uh, autoimmune issues for a couple of years and I was denying how significant it was with my body. So, for example, swollen tonsils, waking up even after eight hours sleep, even after being like uh, doing everything perceivably right from where I was anyway and waking up and still feeling like trash and then telling myself I was okay and then enduring that pain. And I've gotten to a point now where I'm like, okay, this is where I'm at. I need to face this and accept this. So it's still difficult because a lot of things that I love, like I love feeling strong and I love expressing myself, but I have to really be hyper-conscious and delicate with myself as opposed to just being this beast and just learning to rein back and, and creating new strategies to, to do things that I used to just take for granted. So it's, it's, I'm past the toughest point of it now. I've let go of most of the resistance, but for like two to three years, yeah, I was cooked and just didn't, didn't even acknowledge it. So it's been finally acknowledging this and facing it head on, but from a, a gentle place because I had so much resentment towards my body earlier for, for being sick instead of just listening to it. It's trying to tell me something, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's what, been my biggest what challenge. Tell, what is it telling you? Uh, for me, I'm literally investigating like what it actually could be. So I don't feel as though it is something emotional, but if more than anything, it's taught me to not, like I can't fight the present moment. If I wake up and my body's tired, I have to accept that. Can I love that? Well, I don't know if you've listened to Peter Crone, but one of the things he says is, can I be with this? Mm. So I had to accept. I'm probably going to wake up. Can I accept feeling tired for the rest of my life? Like, yes, I can. The moment that I can do that, I've allowed myself to not waste this mental energy pushing against something, and then I can be at peace. Mm. So it's, it's taught me to really accept and love regardless of the external situation, especially because my... My body is one of my highest values. Like physical touch is like one of my top love languages. Um, movement is one of my top ways to spend my time. And I've had to accept and learn to love without those things, without resistance. So it's just taught me a lot about resistance. Mm. Yeah, wow. Beautiful, man. Mm. What's unconditional love mean to you? Unconditional love means like no matter what the person is doing, they deserve love. And, and like if you look at a child, right, when a child does something unknowingly or hurts someone or does something, we understand that's, that's all they know. Therefore we give them love, but adults are no different. They've been alive for longer, but I, I have this analogy that like, if you saw a P plate, uh, uh, sorry, if you saw a car driving down the road and a bit erratic and stuff, most of us would instantly be like, what, what's this idiot doing? And blah, 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 blah. But if you drove up next to them, they had an L plate on them. You'd, you'd forgive them. Like, oh, they're just learning. And I've realized all people are just learning. And once we acknowledge that, we, we no longer hold them to a condition that they deserve love only when they meet the standard. Because if they haven't met it yet, they haven't learned it yet. They haven't embodied it yet. So it's letting go of projecting all the things that a human should be and just loving them as they are in their process. And yeah. the easiest place to do that is with yourself. Like, this is my current level of resources, skills, talents, consciousness. Mm. Can I love this person? Not, I will love them later. Can I love myself as I am for all of my fucked up bits, for all of my beautiful bits? Mm. One of my quotes is, all humans are perfectly fucked. Like we can't deny those parts, but can we love them? Can we accept them? And, and a big part of my own spiritual process of going into my shadow, I had a lot of shame growing up. I've got a, a mom who like contact with her um, from the year five to about year 12, all of her teachers were really intense nuns. So very shaming, very aggressive. So that was a lot of the parenting that I received from her. No judgment to her. I love her. Um, that's taught me a lot about myself, but I've been having to move through a lot of shame but it's like, can I love the most messed up, the lowest parts of myself? If I can love those parts of myself, I can love any part of myself. So it's learning to love all bits without condition. You know, like you need to be here. No, you're just a human being. We're all just human beings. Yeah. And it starts unconditionally with yourself first. Yeah. And then there are always going to be conditions. That's the thing. Yeah. To expect yourself to love unconditionally is a joke because you might be almost there and then something will trigger you. And then yeah. the key is to not then judge yourself or shame yourself or being triggered is okay there's some work to do here mm. there's some consciousness to bring here not oh i fucked up i'm not loving no you are this is a wound yeah some love there instead you know like yeah. with consciousness if you don't bring love with it 
you're only going to create problems. It's like people who are hyper anxious and they notice all the problems, but there's no gentleness and softness and love with that awareness. It just it becomes problem yeah. increasing. But if you're really aware and really loving, it, it's really healing. Totally, brother. Totally. Wow. <laughs> and last question for the quick fire. <laughs> yeah. Do you believe in a quick. greater power? Yes, 100%. Um, what is it <clears throat> to you? Well, I can't put it into words. <laughs> um, well, I just feel like there's a something that binds us all together that is beyond our comprehension that uh, uh, organizes the universe in a divine way that, that makes sense. And when we, I guess in my own experience, when I go past my mind and tap into a deep state of presence, I feel this sense of, if you want to call it my soul or my spirit, and that has never, never not served me when I've listened to it. And that is undeniable evidence. Whenever I trust, it's just a feeling, it's intangible, but whenever I trusted that feeling, it has always been right every time. So for me, that is an example of that. And all I can give you is examples, like this crystal here, like I'd never touched a crystal before in my life. Where's my crystal here? I've never touched a crystal before in my life. And I wanted to learn to lucid dream, walked into a crystal shop, touched this and this explosion of energy went over me. And since then I've been able to feel, I can feel someone's energy through an Instagram photo, through a chat. And like, I'm like, well, how do you explain that? Yes, you may be able to explain that with physics and, and whatnot. But for me, it just, there's something more that we can't put into words. And that's the part of the joke of being a human, right? That's why everyone has their own book on it, their own dogma on it. But it's like, to think you're we kind know. of missing the point. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're reducing it into something and lo- losing the, the mysticality of, sure, it's cool to create procedures to help people get there, but don't get too fixed to that because you're actually missing the thing itself, which could be accessed just from laughing or dancing or eating something. It doesn't have yeah, to be yeah, yeah. some ritualized process as well. Yeah, very, very interesting. It's, it's just a matter of looking out to the sky at night and just have a look at the stars. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine, do you imagine yourself when you, if you were out there on a spaceship or whatever, going out past the further of stars, do you think you just hit a wall? Like that's no. an end, you know what I mean? Yeah, like no imagine, way, yeah. You don't, yeah. Just hit a, you don't just hit a physical boundary. Yeah. Where the fuck does it go, man? It is infinite as far as we know, but we don't know. This is the thing. Like, like what where is t- it? Like what is it? <laughs> Legit, we don't actually know. When we study something, we, we study what we can observe at this point in time. But every like... Every generation, science is updated because the observations are different. So they're like, we figured it out, but they figured yeah. it out to like 2% of 100%. And yeah, exactly. 200 years from now, they will have observed a little bit more. And then like, oh, our science has finally figured it out again. But it's the same cycle repeating. They're just observing a fraction of what is because mm. what is is beyond a measurable thing. In this current time, anyway, there may be times later where we can do that if it's, it's necessary for humanity. Yeah, fuck, man. That just that gets me going every time, eh? Every time I just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like quick fire questions. Hey, eh? it's like forty minutes of quick fire questions. Yeah. Okay, no. All right, brother. Yeah. So we're gonna go into your story. Yes. What did your life look like as unwoke, and what's it look like now? So yeah, um, I won't. I'll just talk more about the before state, if that's fine for you. So I mean. I was in small country town. Went to the private school, the Catholic school of the small country town. Um, and that was kind of seen as the loser school at the time. And, um, like, like part of my story was being not feeling powerful with women, which led me to go to the gym, but in high school, I was like always top of the class, um, came runner up docs out of 150 kids. Didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't really have a backbone. I was quite meek. I didn't, um, didn't have any confidence in myself. I was like shy talking to like a person at a shop. I was shy talking to like ordering something at the menu. I'm like, fuck, I hope they ask her and he can take the menu. Don't ask me kind of things. So I was just very meek, no backbone, no power, no masculine essence, disconnected from my sexual essence. Um, and then I went to move up to Perth. So it was, it, was, it was a blessing that engineering took me to Perth. Um, played video games like 12 hours a day, ate junk food. You know, I'd go out drinking, have really low self-esteem, hopefully drink enough to get confidence, not hook up, vomit, hate myself the next day. And that was like a, the level of confidence I was at when I was, when I was in that phase of my life. And because I'd spend so much time on the computer, when I'd go to the shop, I'm like, fuck, there's a person. And I'd even like get frustrated at the games and like, like be, a, be an asshole to my friends when I was playing the games. Cause oh my God, ruined the game. Like that's kind of where I was at. And um, I don't know if there was a definitive, actually, yeah, there was a definitive moment. So by the end of my engineering degree, I'd started weightlifting and it was the first time I felt this sense of passion. Like this actually meant something to me. And, 
looking back, that's the first time I realized like transformation is possible, expansion is possible. At the time, I'm like, this just feels good. I'm feeling more confident. I was doing it just to get women. I didn't realize that being an authentic human being is what, and loving myself will get me love. It. Like maybe if I look good, I'll get love. That's literally how contracted my awareness was. I had a point where I injured myself and I couldn't work. It was the final summer holidays of my engineering degree. I couldn't work. And for whatever reason, I started to read self-development and I read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And funnily enough, you talked about lenses when we started this conversation. One of the things you talked about was lenses, paradigms, and how you see the world. And that was like, when I started reading those books, my brain started to like make sense of things. And then I'm like, I told my parents, even though this was at the time the scariest decision I'd ever made, I'm going to not do engineering. They paid for half of my accommodation the entire time. They bought me a $20,000 car. They'd spoiled me and supported me so much. So I felt like I was letting them down. And in a small country town, everyone knows everyone's business. Everyone's like, oh, John's going to be an engineer. John's going to be an engineer. So there's all of this perceived stigma that I had anyway. And they just wanted me to be safe. So I understand that. Mm-hmm. And so making that decision to not do that was the first time I'd made a hard decision for myself. But once I'd done it once, I, I was like, okay, I can do this. And at that time, in one of the books, I don't know if you've heard of the eulogy exercise. The eulogy exercise, like, okay, imagine you're dead and imagine significant people from your life are there speaking about the person that you were. And when I was talking about work, they're like, Joel was an incredible, and I wasn't, didn't even know what a life coach really was at the time, but Joel was a life coach. He was a teacher. He was a nutritionist, a psychologist, all these words, just like, this is my you're first just writing tr- it. That was, you're just inspired writing moment. It. Yeah, it was an inspired moment. Uh, that was the first time I felt, you know, the goosebumps, the tingles. It came to me. And that was the truest feeling I'd ever felt. And, and I haven't looked back from that moment. And that was maybe seven or eight years ago. So that moment led to me. That was the, the I guess, the, the pivot in my path. And since then, I've had numerous, countless experiences of all kinds that have continued to open my mind. But that was the first point, realizing that I can change and then actually tapping into my inspiration and being wow. able to trust something beyond the external world. That's crazy, man. Did you... Mm. Um... And so now you like you look at what you eat, you know, you look at your own actions as you're fully responsible for them. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There's, there's a, it's basically a deeper level of self-responsibility, would you say? Now? Yeah, well, first module in, in Evolve Brotherhood is ownership, is leadership. And um, yeah, once you take complete ownership for everything in your world and at least do your part, like for me in a relationship, if there's some, some tension, okay, what how could I possibly be contributing to that before I blame them? Do that first. And then I at least know for a fact that then I can communicate that with them. But if I know I'm part of the problem and I'm just making it about them, nothing's going to change. So I like to apply that to everything. Like let's check in with me first before I blame anything else. Let's check in with me. And every time, once I do the shift here, it just happens anyway. Like a lot of people get obsessed with growth, but I believe once we clear the messes out of the way and just be ourselves, we, are growth seeking beings like watch a kid if you this is what how i talk about motivation versus inspiration if you put a kid in a room and they're like i love you no matter what here's all the like all the potentialities of all the games you want to play go do what you love they will be inspired to take action that is in alignment with who they are as a human being they'll create something magnificent or do something that is them as opposed to i need to do this so i feel better so i can grow a very different mentality so i think once we once we take responsibility and just get shit out of the way we just we just be ourselves and ourself is incredible ourselves is beautiful we don't need to earn that you know i don't know how that came from responsibility but just wanted yeah. to fly out nice man nice i love that yeah. what was your biggest vice back then my biggest vice uh video games was huge yeah. and porn was another one for me because i had uh essentially back at uni i was so stressed i couldn't sleep at night i would have to jack off every night ejaculate just to fall asleep wow. and then i had a, a spell like because i was little on confidence and my self-image didn't change until a couple of years ago. Um, I got in a cycle of using porn a lot. Therefore, I wasn't very sexually confident because you know, I stayed away from the market for so long. And I just, I just stayed in this little, like, in, in terms of all the areas of my life, my sexuality was this little hidden away thing because I had so sh- much shame there from a Christian upbringing and, and masturbation is bad. And, you know, like, and then, and then I'm like, I knew it was contributing to my loneliness at the time as well. So that was one of my vices that... Um, yeah, even up until in this relationship, my, my partner got sick and I went back to it and I actually had too much shame to tell her and that's, that was about six months ago. So you that was my most shame. I went back to porn and then, and then oh, too, felt to too shameful to tell her because originally in the relationship, I stopped completely. It was incredible. Her dad passed away. She went off the pill. She got depressed. All this stuff happened and I reverted back to it. That was just one of my coping mechanisms at the time. 
I didn't really have any other outlet. I didn't know how to express or communicate. I didn't have the support. So I went back to that. And because it became a pattern again, I felt too shameful to speak about it. Unfortunately, now my vices are more like when, what makes me unconscious? When do I divert? When do I distract? So it might be like a feeling's coming up. Oh, all of a sudden I'm on Instagram. It's like, it's subtle and things like that because I, I just to give you context, I do two men's circles a week for my business. I do I have Thursday nights at my house. We have a men's group. Fortnightly, we do men's experience. I'm in that space so much, and I've got such a good support system now that the the heavier stuff gets contained. It's more moment by moment, um, bringing myself back on track when old tendencies slip away, all that kind of thing. Fuck, man, that's I really appreciate that. You're not the only person, that's for sure. With, oh, with oh, man, porn, yeah. like honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's been male fun. sexuality is a big one. Yeah, I've got Cam Fraser on the pod, Feeling Alive podcast this afternoon. Awesome, awesome. So we're going to do sexual energy one-on-one and, and just go awesome. down that rabbit hole. But I was listening to Muntuck Cheer today. and um, Yeah, is that London Real? Or yeah, it... London Real. Yeah, yeah, and, love Brian. Yeah. Oh, dude, so interesting. Such an interesting, because mm. there's so much shame around sexual organs and sex in itself. And I think, yeah, a lot of it comes <laughs> from religion, to be yeah. honest. So, so my, uh, I relate to that, yeah. But yeah, like one of my biggest vices was it was alcohol and drugs, but the second mm. one next to that would be important. Like growing up in the mining industry, man, like you go up on site, mm. you're on camp, you're like, yep, yeah, fucking have a, have a nightcap and, mm. um, and jack off. Watch mm. porn, jack off. And then you eventually realize it's a fucking habit. But unconsciously for a while, you don't. You're just like, fuck yeah, this is the time. You're excited, eh? Like, well, it's, then- it's very culturally acceptable as well. Like, guys, watch porn. It's a thing. Not like, okay, guys have wounded sexuality and they are using that as a numbing mechanism if that was what the the collective story was it would be a different thing we're like oh shit i'm diverting to this again what am i avoiding but it's yeah. like oh man watch porn so we just we go into it yeah and talk about their favorite porn sites and all that but if you look at that and you learned about more about sexual energy it's mm-hmm. you can see what you're doing to yourself and it's very it depletes your soul juice man like uh, i mean <laughs> um depending on the thing like the Taoists say so you've got chi which is life of ching is sexual energy it's a bit heavier it takes effort to circulate right but like i have done zebra tension and i other than sex with my partner i don't ejaculate and um yeah since doing those practices i feel more alive i feel more in touch with my body and at first i was way more emotional because there's so much stuff that i was unaware of that i hadn't paid attention to but when i had more energy in my body i could actually feel it and yeah. sense it and uh, one of the we have the evolved brotherhood commandments i think they're here it's probably going to be reversed right but one of them is penetrate life and that is like bring your sexual energy into life like the same way that if you wanted to have sex with a girl like you would clean your room you would make 100k a year you would do your hair like bring that same lust into totally, everything bro. that's yeah because that's part of masculinity energy. yeah that sexual desire is the most powerful desire um, that's in Napoleon Hill's book. Yeah, Red yep, Red. I love that. Yep, yeah, and he's like, takes men till their forties. I'm like, fuck you, I'm gonna do it in my yeah. late twenties, maybe well, thirty. Yeah. That's, that's the interesting thing because they stop, they stop having, they stop having sex. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, men met at an older age, and so now they've got this sexual energy built up. Why do you think mm-hmm. they become a lot more successful back then? Mm-hmm. So if we can, if you think about it, like the lust of the desire when you want to fuck someone, mm-hmm. and to say it so bluntly. Because that's how mm-hmm. everyone listening. That's what it is. That's the energy. That's the energy. You, you want, want to actually. Like, mm, you want to pick her yeah. up and just take yeah. her and like, yeah. or him if you if if that's if that's yeah. your story. But like, um, what if you just take that desire and you transfer it to your business? Will you mm. just will you do it no matter you'll go after it no matter what? Because you know when you're having sex, it's just like there's nothing else that matters. You do anything. No holds back, bro. You'll you're do just fucking you're there. Anything. Yep. Yep. And, yep. And um. Take that energy and people listening now, take that energy and try and apply it to someone else. Like if you want to jump on porn, if you want to, you know, if you're going to cheat on your partner, say, because this is something that happens, you still get that same desire mm-hmm. when you're out in the night with the boys. Consciously stop yourself and say, where can I put this energy now? Boom. Send it somewhere else. See what happens. Mm-hmm. But I've, enough's enough there. I'll, I'll go on to the next one. Yeah, we said we need like a three hour podcast. It's like, okay, damn it, we have to go to the next quick fire question. Like, for real, I've got an interview at nine, so I'll just have to push that one back, but that's cool. Yeah, you, you do, you man. If you need to close this off sooner, I understand you're, you're running your show, so yeah, that's cool. I'm, 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 I'm the culprit here, man. I'm, I'm going down the rabbit holes. What, what emotion <laughs> challenged you most anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, or anger? 
uh, oh, it was shame for me, but why it challenged me the most because I was so good at avoiding it that I became this polarized positive being who couldn't put a foot wrong. And if I did, I, it would, I would almost feel the shame, but then I would deny it and reject it and pretend that I was this, this happy guy. And mm. because it is the emotion that's uh, like biologically speaking, as you probably know, when we don't want to feel it, because if we did something actually with a healthy shame response, let's say I killed someone in my tribe, that emotion is there so I don't go and kill someone, right? Because if I killed them, I'd feel the feeling and I don't want to feel that feeling more than anything else. But when you have toxic shame that's always in your nervous system, what I did was just learn ways to run from it constantly. So a big part of my healing process over the last 12 months is literally lay there and just feel shame and breathe. I love myself. Mm. And, and I've had to do that for like, just like anytime I have a moment to myself, letting go of this idea of being a powerful guy and understand it right now, whether I want to call it my inner child, whether I want to call it my emotional body, whatever you want to call it, this is present within me and I need to hold space for this. So at first it was really scary and I didn't want to let my mask off and show other men that I was weak. That's why I didn't seek support for so long. But now that I've gotten past that initial gap of realizing it's okay and it's actually to be loved when you feel your lowest is the, the most beautiful thing that everyone deserves. Holding myself through that has allowed me to do that for other people. Beautiful, man. Did you connect that shame to anything that happened in your past? I honestly just think it was the, the parenting style. Um, like. My mom, she has really good, really good values. Uh, she can be very uh, aggressive in the way that she enforces that. And, um, and I'm, I'm like energetic, like I can tune into my mom's energy. I can feel the shame within her. And that's what humans do. They just project what's within them. And um, yeah, I, I can even just looking at the, the, like I've done inner child meditations where I look at my, my past self and like I've, I've felt the energy since then. So a small aspect in the arena of sexuality, that was that, but as a whole, it was just not being loved and accepted unconditionally as I was. And I think that's yeah. what and fundamentally all human beings experience that in some way, shape or form. Yeah, definitely, bro. Definitely. Have you found, you've found forgiveness for that process? Yes. With your mom? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know how you're saying, uh, your spirituality is done alone or whatever, but practiced outside. Uh, one of the triggers for me is like one of the, uh, quotes for me is that you, nothing triggers you more than your family. Mm. Because that's where all of your the original wound, as Carl Jung said, when we were originally taken from unconditional love and then pain entered, it happened in that environment. So most of our triggers are from our family. So with the more work I do or the consciousness I create, the love for myself I have, every time that I'm with my family, the dynamic changes and I'm able to see past the things that once hurt me and love them as they are, even if they aren't you know, ideal by some lens. I'm like, they're a beautiful human being. They're just operating at the level that they're at and I can love them regardless. And there's limits to that, but that limit gets better over time as I yeah. process more of my own stuff. There's nothing for them to poke at anymore. There's no less expectation of them to love me because I'm learning to love myself. All of, all of those things awesome. are getting easier, yeah. Awesome, brother. Whose love did you crave, crave most growing up and who'd you have to be to get it? My mum, like, although she is, like, quite controlling, she smothered the crap out of me with love. Mm. Like, honestly, the most loving being ever. I had a lot of resentment from my dad, very emotionally unavailable. I didn't realize that I craved it until later. So I was probably doing things at the time to do it. But as a child, like I had a good group of close mates. Um, my, my family loved me a lot. I always sucked with women. I always craved it from, from women from the age of high school. So mm. probably women. That ties in with my whole sex thing. So mm. and, and so yeah. so you feel like that's is that how you had to be? Is that who you had to be to get it? Like, did you have to be like the the guy who has all the women? Like, how did you? No, I was just lonely when I like when when I was disconnected from women. I just wanted to feel that sense of connection. Yeah. I was just I just really I'm, I'm I don't know if you're in star science, but I'm a Pisces, so we're we're soft, mushy creatures. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, sensitive, emotional. I just wanted that emotional connection with someone. I didn't really get that from my male relationships. And yes, I wanted sex, but more than anything, I, I just like cuddles and, and hanging out. So, um, yeah, that's. I obviously didn't get that from my, my family. My fingers crossed. Small country town. Yeah. <laughs> the second my family wasn't very good, so I was looking for it elsewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I realized a lot of my behaviors um, also, like a reason I developed a really intellectual ego is because my parents rewarded me for being smart. So I, I am naturally talented at being intellectual, but that would like, there's only two fast food shops in Manjimup. One was a Chinese restaurant. I love Chinese. So that always... Like if I ever got a good report card, that take me to Chinese. So I realized I'll get praise for being smart. So I really lent into that through my early years as well. Definitely, man. Yeah, I feel that. Mm -hmm. I feel that. Talk mm -hmm. to me about the lowest point in your life. Was was go back to that point. And was suicide ever a factor? 
never considered suicide. Cool. Um, it was, so this is a thing. One of my mechanisms is to numb. So okay. although it was the lowest point, it's a blessing and a curse. I was so unaware of the amount of pain that I was in. And my, my growing process has been stripping that away and facing that bit by bit as I can handle it now, handle it now which is it's been really confronting. But the lowest point was definitely throughout university. Mm. Um, I hated it. I hated it for years. And at least in high school, like, there's, a lot, there's, nothing, there's no expectations in me. I can hang out with my mates. But at uni, I, I felt stuck. I had no way out. I had no confidence. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I genuinely felt like for the rest of my life I have to do this. I would, like... I hate that. I hate the feeling of that. That that hate is actually what allowed me to to go another direction because I'm like, fuck that. I'm out of here. I'm gonna go do this. But mm. during the time, I was just just kind of a, a, a disconnected, numb, like uh, yeah. I would say depressed, but I didn't feel it. It wasn't like this heavy weight because I'm so good at putting on a smile. I don't know if do you know about the enneagrams. Yeah. If you know that. Yeah. So it's enthusiast type seven. As soon as pain comes up, whoop, put on a smile. That was my mechanism. So all of the pain, I was hardly aware of it, right? So looking at my behaviours and where I was at, it was very evident how low I was. But fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know, um, can't judge it, there was never a time where I was like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Mm, mm, interesting, very interesting. What, so, I mean, you've talked about a, a moment of awakening with you where you've realised mm -hmm. you could learn more. Was, mm -hmm. was that the most significant moment of awakening for you or was there something else? There, there's been several. Um, one of the most incredible was the first time I did MDMA. And that was the first time was it I in realized a in my context or was it in like a ceremonial context or was it just part? It wasn't at all. This is the thing. I had, I had smoked a little bit of weed and, and that was the first time I had started to think a little bit differently. And I really enjoyed yeah. that. And I was doing it like it was really, it was like there was no stoners. It wasn't like anything overly habitual. It was just in a nice environment with some of my housemates. So that was nice and I enjoyed that. And then I met this girl who's now my, my current partner. And she was my client, so I might as well tell the romantic story at the time. Um, she was my client. But when I'm in business mode, because so many women with such low self-esteem come to trainers, right? So never did I ever want to cross that line. I'm like, I want to create a safe space for you guys to, like, feel better about yourself. I don't want to be sexual towards you. So I had the blind. I didn't even notice that she was making all these moves. And eventually she takes me in. Um, so uh, do you know what a bush doof is? Uh, a what? A bush doof. No. Okay, a bush doof oh, is bush like... Party. Yeah, bush yeah. party. Yes, yeah. so I'd never been to one, but especially like side trans, that kind of music and big bunch of hippies. Um, a lot of spiritual bypassing hippies that use drugs to run away from reality, but also a sick party. So I'd never been to one before, never done MDMA. And from my background of my understanding of what hard drugs were, man, the context was like, I was in a car, she'd waited out and this, she's like, okay, put, the, put it in a cigarette paper, twist it up and swallow it. I'm like, see, it's ghetto as hell. And with all of my current belief system about hard drugs, I was genuinely shaking. But when I got high, I was like, holy crap. And, and that was the first time I felt what felt like unconditional love, like in my known memory. Because even if we have trauma at birth, that can be enough for us to not feel it. So that, that kind of shattered me open to the possibility of feeling that. Because I was so growth orientated, the next day I sat down and I made affirmations to remind myself of the state that I experienced. So I'm like, I felt, you know, the law of cause and effect. If I feel this way, how will I act? So I'm like, how did I act? Okay, I was vulnerable and expressed myself as best as I could. I operated without inhibitions. I trusted my judgment. I wrote down all of the things I experienced in that open state. And then energetically, I kind of anchored the feeling of MDMA and unconditional love to that bit of paper. And I practiced embodying that to the best of my ability. So that was, that was when I feel like I first felt love. I don't want to detract that from the love of my parents and those things. But from what I felt, that was a very significant moment of, oh, this exists. I need more of this and the world needs more of this. And, mm. and since then I've That's been cool. able to access that. Yeah. That's fucking awesome, man. Was healing a big part of your journey? Like going from that unconscious to conscious? Did you, more sort of modality was there? Um, it's I'm, a just more gonna, I'm just going to text. I'm just going to text. Yeah, do your thing, bro. Yeah, I'll just rattle on. You know, I love talking to, to yeah, anyone. Give me, um, give me the deals. Go. Um, so, yeah. First thing is just awareness, like awareness, like you can use any modality, um, but anything at the end of the day is a permission slip for us to change our beliefs or allow us to go somewhere. And it's just based on where you're at in your journey as to what permission slip lines up to what serves you. So I don't think there's any wrong or right way. It could be one conversation. It could be a plant medicine. It could be meditation. It could be breathing. Um, I've really liked breath work because I was so numb. Breath work really brought me back into my body and allowed me to tap into 
and express feelings that I never knew existed in my nervous system. And I, and I found for a lot of men that, that we work with too, breathwork's really handy because men are so good at numbing and we live from the neck up, we live away from the body. So um, breathwork's been massive. Um, yeah, other than that, just forms of mindfulness meditation where the intention is to be super present and loving towards what would be called negative emotions. Like that is what has served me the most of um, some analogies are like, like when, when a negative emotion comes up, like that's your inner child. That's the pain of your inner child. Can you hold that part of yourself? Mm. And you know, we're talking about uh, a greater power and we see like, we see God in the sunrise and awe. can you have that same feeling of awe for that pain as opposed to putting up a wall for it? So learning to develop a posture and attitude to connect it to my own feelings and holding space for them has allowed me to liberate myself from being trapped by them. And even if they are present, I'm no longer resistant to it. So that's my, that's my biggest practice at the moment. And then, yeah, things like breathwork, um, probably done you know, six, six or eight breathwork sessions in the last year, which have been great. Nice. Um, I really, I've got a one-on-one, one-on-one with Luke and I take all the guys for breathwork as well. But yeah, for me, you can have these peak experiences, but moment to moment is where the real work is done. And that's where I really like to be hyper-present as, as often yeah. as I can. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Breathwork's been a huge one for me. I mean, mm. like what you're saying, dialogue. Dialogue's a fucking huge healer. Mm. Yeah, it's really powerful, man. Uh, yeah, men's work, it's been incredible as well. Yeah, yeah men's work. Yeah. Um, talk to me about your friend group. How has that changed mm-hmm. over the period that, that you've changed? Honestly, like... I, I love and I have a huge space in my heart for the guys that I grew up around. And some of them are still in my life, but like you can say it vibrationally or just as people, we're so different now that there's always going to be that deep love, but the connection isn't there. Mm. It's like the, the, where we're at is so different that I feel like I'm forcing a triangle into a square hole. Or I don't know the analogy, you know what I'm saying? Going back there. So legitimately at the moment, like uh, gym owners, entrepreneurs, healers, um, like my partner has her own feminine embodiment course and she's a naturopath. Like the tribe of people around me, like we did a, a men's group last night and everyone's so in tune. Like when a guy's sharing deep, heavy stuff, this is just our friends one. This is not even a professional one. As a guy's sharing deep, heavy stuff, you feel the whole room. They breathe at the same time. Oh, like the, the container is so tight. So these are the men like um, that I surround myself with. They're all growth seeking. They're all aligned with what matters to them. They're honest. They're vulnerable. And, and a lot of like a lot of that community has because I've led them there. I don't want to take credit for that, but mm. I I love to be a leader and I love to step first. And a lot of them are like they're they're equals with me, but I've been their spiritual teacher in a sense. It's been beautiful for me to to open my heart and trust myself and see that grow around me as a result of that. Wow, that's beautiful. So would you say you're more fulfilled in that sense now with the people that you oh have around you? Oh my god, so good. Yeah, I felt misunderstood. Like one of my big wounds that still plays out is not feeling heard or, or understood. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I can't tell you how that came to be, but I, I do think really differently and have uh, a really a complex perspective of life and growing up in a small country town and all these things, I didn't really feel understood. And it's nice to find people who understand me and actually like value that. And they, and they want that. Like it's not from a, and for me, it's not from a place of, Oh, I finally feel loved. It's like, I get to be myself. I get to express myself and I love just being myself. It's nice. Like I, I can just be myself now and everyone's cool with that as opposed yeah. to like, like people think this is weird. So it's yeah. so nice just to let my hair out and just be Joel. Mm, man, that's, that's beautiful. And do you know your human design by any chance? Yeah, I'm a six, three, six, three projector. Uh, six, three projector. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I have the alpha channel and I have a family channel. So throat to uh, self to throat, which is a leadership channel. So just, that's why I fucking burp. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have like a, I think self to heart. So that's to do with community. Yeah. And my gene key is uh, nurturing is, is like the prominent one, the top one. So balancing yeah. between masculine and feminine energy. So like, like divine motherly energy is like, I love you no matter what. And divine fatherly energy is like, here's a bit of advice. So that's kind of the way that I see that as well. That's cool. Um, did you do that through Mark Bentley? Did you no, I, I bought all the books and, um, Dive that rabbit hole myself, yeah. Fuck, good on you, man. Research. Yeah, I love it. So I do it for everyone. I'm an avid researcher, bro. Like, like, I, like in my drawer, there's just like, like. So I, I always have. I just have books everywhere. There's constantly stuff going to my brain. Wow. Um, I love it. I love the magician archetype of understanding and making sense of things. And um, from the enneagram, actually, the fifth enneagram is the investigator, and it's a disassociative strategy that people develop to run away from pain. So like. 
if you have a painful childhood or you feel scared of the world, learn more so you feel safe. So I actually developed that complex from feeling unsafe, but now it's been one of the biggest things. Now that I've integrated it healthily and I don't use it to avoid, it's been one of the biggest things that served me. So every bit of unconscious trauma once integrated actually becomes a superpower. It's just getting to that point where we no longer have resentment towards it. Amen, brother. Amen. What, what part of this journey are you most grateful for? Well, like a big thing that screams in my head is my partner. Like even thinking about her makes me want to cry. Like we have yeah. such a beautiful relationship and she's such a beautiful girl and, and we've been through a lot of stuff together, but there's just this deep mutual love and respect that goes beyond any words. So I have a lot of gratitude for that. And I have a lot of gratitude for trusting my own heart um, in a world that it's not easy to do. Um, I think it's very important that we be grateful for ourselves um, and, the, and listening to a voice that at the time made no logical sense and I still I, that was like six or seven maybe eight years ago and I've to this point of time no matter what anyone told me I still just listen to that and it's gotten like it's taken a long time for my external reality to match it but now the momentum is so great and that none of that would have happened if that scared little boy at the time mm. who had no confidence didn't trust that intangible thing so I'm grateful to him and 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 that that it's beautiful brother beautiful What's one tip you would give your old self who's just starting this journey? Yeah, just trust your heart. That's what I tell everyone, trust your heart. I don't know, it's, it's hard to sometimes get that avenue open, but find a way to fucking create that conversation with yourself and trust it because what else can you listen to? Like, what else do you have to guide you? How would you say to your younger self, your old self, how to do that? Like, you go, but how, how do I do that? Well, I think the, the biggest thing for everyone, including myself, is it's very easy for humans to get caught up in uh, the collective, like what's being told to them by everyone else. Because if that noise wasn't there, all that would be left is ourselves. So I'm like, bro, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. It doesn't matter what your mom or dad says. It doesn't matter what your family says. It doesn't matter what your friend says. You know what feels right to you. You know that. And, and, and I feel like if I talk to someone in an aligned enough state, they get it. Yeah, it's just they haven't had those because I've, I've had conversations with people I hardly know and if I look them in the eyes in this hyper present state of love I know they're feeling it and that can unlock something in someone so I feel like if I came to him and I've done this with young guys like a reason I started this men's group because I'm like imagine if little Joel who was uh, like not good imagine if he had this group how much that would have changed okay. his life yeah. imagine my dad who was an alcoholic and like didn't know any better how to cope imagine if he had a place like this yeah. imagine if all these men had that they had a man like, bro, we got you. It's all good. Like, you're not fucked up. You're not broken. Just trust this, man. And trust me. Like, I feel like that's what all people need to hear. Yeah, man. Amen. I feel that. It has been a beautiful, beautiful interview, brother. I really appreciate your time for coming on here and sharing Thank your you, story. Man. Love it. And, and yeah, it's, it's very interesting to see how your mind works and, and, and mm. you, are, you are a complex thinker. You're a very deep thinker. Mm. And you're a bloody avid researcher, I can tell, because you've got a lot of good knowledge in there. So it's a pleasure to have you on this journey, man, helping other brothers out. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for your time. And thank you to everyone listening. And I'll thank see you, you guys. on the next episode. Trust your hearts. Trust your hearts. Trust your hearts. Whoa, man. Bring love and just be. I got love in my eyes, bro. I can't see. I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be. Wokeness is taking my old self away. Yeah, I put love into me. I'm spreading that love. Yo, don't you see? Grab your cacao and drink it with me. Cause wokeness is taking my old self away. Woke man. Wokey woke man. Woke man. Wokey woke man. Woke man. Wokey woke man, bring love and just be Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be